Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Kylie Camps and welcome to the podcast. This space is dedicated entirely to making a difference in the lives of women. I believe we all have a right and a responsibility to truly live our best lives. It all begins with curiosity, changing our thinking and cultivating more self-love. Through thoughtful conversations and shared experiences, I really hope that you can take something away from this podcast. I'm a business owner, a speaker, a sleep consultant and mum of twin boys. I've also recently completed some training in the cognitive behavioral therapy space, and I'm super, super passionate about the ability that we all have to really improve our days. And ultimately, when we take ownership of improving our days, we're really improving our whole life. So let's get stuck into today's episode. Today's podcast is a conversation with Givany Blair West. She is a dating and attraction coach. Her mission is to help people navigate the modern dating scene with more clarity and insight. In particular, her passion lies with relationship education and empowering the next generation to love better. Now, dating is not a topic that I've explored in great detail here on the podcast, but it is a topic that people are continually asking me about. And I am so far from an expert on dating that it's not funny. But I think because I found myself 18 months ago unexpectedly single, um, people feel more comfortable, I guess, reaching out now and asking questions about dating. And I definitely don't have the answers. Um, but Shivani has has. She's got some great answers and I really, really enjoyed my chat with her. If you're not single, stick around. She is such an advocate just for healthy, loving relationships. So I think you'll still be able to take things from my conversation with Jivani. And we cover a lot. We answer questions that were sent through from the Instagram community, including things like how soon should you have the are we exclusive chat? How could single mums navigate dating? Advice for anyone who feels disappointed or rejected but still wants to put themselves out there and much, much more. Now, before we get into this conversation, I wanted to take a quick minute to let you know this podcast is brought to you by Jagger and Wolf. Now, they are a Gold Coast-based business And they stock the most amazing Moroccan floor cushions and also they are about to have, or it's probably live now by the time this episode goes live, the most beautiful one-of-a-kind vintage Moroccan rugs. They source really, really beautiful pieces that not only are they beautiful, they're high quality. I know that they're very, very fussy about the pieces that they bring in. 
And I am always asked where I purchased my floor cushions from. So if you do follow along on Instagram, you might know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, I have these floor cushions and I would say, I mean, I'm terrible with measurements, but I would say they're maybe nearly a meter by a meter. Mm, I could be off. (laughs) They're bigger than a European size pillow, I would say. Um, And I just love my floor cushions. They're so nice and cozy and they just add a real warmth to any space. And so Jagger and Wolf have very generously offered a discount code for the podcast community. And that discount code is Kylie podcast, and it will get you 10% off their products. So that is Jagger and Wolf. And if you jump over to Instagram and just search Jagger and Wolf and hit follow, you'll be able to stay up to date with the beautiful pieces that they are sourcing. But if you've been on the hunt for a stunning rug or floor cushions, definitely check them out and use that code Kylie Podcast to save 10% because 10% off homewares makes a big difference. Now, Speaking of big difference, (laughs) let's get into this episode because I do hope that it will make a difference to those of you who are listening and interested in this topic. As always, it would mean the world to me if you jump over to Instagram, take a little screenshot of what you're up to whilst you're listening to the episode, post it on your stories, tag me at Kylie Camps so I can reshare. And without further waffling, let's get into it. Jivani, thank you so much for making time in your busy day to have this chat on the podcast. This is a topic that I've been really excited to explore and I've been so looking forward to having this chat with you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course. Now, it's not every day that you run into or you meet an attraction and dating coach. So how did you come to be in this occupation? Yeah, well, relationships have always been something that have fascinated me and partly because they're something that I myself have struggled with, particularly early on in life, even though I was lucky to have parents who work in this field and who are relationship specialists themselves. So I was lucky in the sense that they would often initiate conversations around what it means to have healthy relationships and how to go about doing that. And then it wasn't until my early 20s that I really started to realize just how underrated and overlooked relationship education is in our society. And yet it's such an important part of living a whole healthy life, right? It is. I mean, there's that famous quote that I think it's Tony Robbins. He said, you know, the quality of our life depends on the quality of our relationships. Absolutely. I love that quote. I think it's so true. And so as I went on this journey to better understand relationships for myself, um, and learning different skills and things in that area, I, um, I decided that this is something that I want to help other people with too. So that led me to go back and to study, to be a life coach and to specialize in dating and also to collect a bunch of different therapeutic modalities that are really effective in working with people one-on-one and helping them let go of baggage and the kinds of things that tend to hold us back from getting the love that we really want. I think it is so important and like we touched on with that quote you know you don't have to be in a relationship to have an amazing life but you have to I think have a good grasp and understanding of the importance of the relationships that do exist within your life 
And so many people feel disconnected from, I guess, understanding what it is that they want or perhaps even what it is that they deserve. Mm, Definitely. And it's not even just our romantic relationships. It's also our friendships and how we interact with everyone that we come into contact with. Ah, absolutely. So as a coach, what capacity do you work with people in? Is it a one-on-one dynamic mainly? Yeah, mainly one-on-one. In the past, you know, pre-Rona and all that, I used to do workshops um, doing uh, talking about offline dating in an online world, which I'm sure we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the moment I'm working on creating an online course so that I can work with more people at once because I am a bit limited with my time at the moment. Absolutely. And so what are some of the most common reasons people are reaching out to you, Givani? What are the most, I guess, common pain points that people are experiencing when it comes to dating? Mm. So often people come to me because they've reached a point in their life for whatever reason where they realise that time and opportunities are finite. And if they want to experience the future that they really want, and that includes having a healthy, long-term romantic relationship, then they need to prepare well in advance. And it is a bit of a journey. So some of my clients have never been in a long-term relationship before. And then I have others who have been married and who have loved and lost and maybe even been in a toxic relationship. So over the years, I've had the pleasure of working with men and women and seeing both sides of the equation play out as well as people in their 20s right through to their early 70s. And that's been really amazing because it's taught me that no matter how old you are, relationship skills can be learned and that it's never too late to fall in love. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I just love the idea of you being there to hold people's hands to help them (laughs) through because, I mean, one thing that I've noticed is that the dating landscape has definitely changed in the last 10 or so years because when I was single in my early 20s it was you know quite quite common to go out and that's how you would meet someone now 10 years later something that I noticed is when I would go out it seems like people aren't approaching other people nearly as much and I'm sure it's got a little bit to do with the age bracket as well it's a bit different um you know I think people probably are more likely to assume that you're in a relationship the older you get perhaps but I also think people they seem like they don't need to approach other people in real life because they have access to hundreds of people that they can virtually approach from their phone. So how has the online space changed the in real life meeting? Mm. Yeah, it is an interesting transition. And I think part of it is definitely real. And part of it too, we can kind of imagine or impose upon our reality and our experiences. And what I mean by that is I see a real tendency now that online dating is a norm for people to kind of view that as the be all and end all of meeting someone new. And that's something that I really like to challenge. Like I was saying with the offline dating workshops that I used to run is was about teaching people um, how to connect in real life with people as you go about your day. And I think one of the barriers that often gets in the way of that is us not necessarily signaling that we're open to that connection. 
And so I'm sure you might be able to relate to this too. We might go out into a situation where we see someone who we're attracted to and we do what comes most easily, right, which is often to ignore them. And I know myself, I've definitely had this poker face kind of approach to dating um, before I saw the light. <laughs> but, um, where I would go out, see someone I was attracted to, hope in vain that they would come over and talk to me, but I'm not giving them any signals or any invitations. And so often that result would be like, you know, people who have the liquid courage in them um, to later on the night come over, but that not, might not be the person who I was really interested in. So, and so when you say signals, Shivani, are these things like maintaining eye contact, smiling, being the first one to start a conversation? Yes, exactly. Um, making eye contact is a really important one and it can often be quite subtle too. And one of the important things has been some interesting studies on this where sometimes as women we can, you know, make eye contact once and think, oh, yeah, he knows. Like he gets that I'm interested. But <laughs> that is actually, so obvious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And actually the research has shown that it takes men at least three looks for them to actually feel safe to come over to feel sure at first they might be thinking to themselves oh no that can't be right you know or she's not looking at me she must be looking at someone else so really making that clear throwing in a smile is a really great first move and yeah breaking the ice sometimes can be good too I think as women as many of us have probably experienced it doesn't always work to go um, and walk up to a guy and give him your number you know, we don't have to go that far, but it's these, the power of these small little social cues, like looking at each other, smiling, or even just making a passing comment like, you know, it's crowded in here or it's a beautiful day outside. Mm. And look, to be completely honest, I'm very comfortable with eye contact, but I know a lot of women are not comfortable you know even just eye contact for some people can seem really confronting so for those who might be listening and thinking oh my gosh it would even be a big step for me to hold someone's gaze would you suggest that they start practicing that just in your everyday life like you know when you're out getting coffee look the person who's making you a coffee in the eyes like start practicing that it's such a big skill yeah absolutely especially when the stakes are low you know practice it with people that you're not necessarily that attracted to and it's not about leading them on or anything but yeah like the barista um you know baristas can be great people to flirt with because you know they're working and they're not necessarily going to follow you up on that but it can give you that experience needed to kind of expose you to that and become less afraid of it Definitely. And so we've touched on the dating world a little bit, uh, the online dating world a little bit. And I wanted to just zero in and focus on the different dating apps because I had a lot of questions coming through saying, how do you know what app to even get on? Because there's Tinder, there's Bumble, there's um, Raya, which I've heard of only recently. And it seems like there's kind of some, I guess, preconceived notions surrounding the fact that this app would be for this intention and that app's for that intention. Could you clear it up for us? <laughs> yeah. So some apps certainly have their reputation. I think probably the first one that comes to mind is Tinder, often being associated with hookup culture. And there might be some truth to that. But also saying that I do know happy couples who have met via Tinder. 
And then, of course, we have the apps like Hinge, which are marketing themselves more for longer-term connections. And I do really like Hinge's intentions. However, the feedback that I often hear about that one is that it only really works in bigger cities like Sydney and Melbourne, where you've got more of the population using it. And so interestingly, for people who are more in rural areas, Tinder can work really well because it's one of those original apps that does have a bigger client base. And we all know that dating can sometimes be a bit of a numbers game. And but also, because, yeah, because Tinder, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Tinder's free, isn't it? So like you said, there's a bigger dating base on there versus maybe ones where you have to pay a subscription fee. Is that right? Yeah. And what I would suggest is being on more than one app. Don't go crazy and sign up for too many, but one, um, I think about two is a good um, op- option and maybe having one free app and then one paid app like a website like RSVP or eHarmony because there's definitely some merit to people who are more serious about dating being more willing to spend money on dating apps. That makes complete sense and I know that I've got girlfriends who have said that they feel better about being on the apps where they're paying a subscription fee because they do feel as though it's a higher quality, I guess, in terms of people put more effort into their bios and seem to be that little bit more serious. Um, So there's Tinder, there's Hinge. What about Bumble and Raya? And I don't know of any other ones, but if you do, feel free to speak about them as well. Mm. Well, I think Bumble is a really good old rounder, all rounder, because once again, it's got that client base. It's been around for a while um, and it does have some great features. There are benefits to, of course, Bumble's feature of having women be able to make that first move. Um, Raya, I'll be honest, I haven't actually heard too much about them, but I do think that these swipe left or right kind of models of dating apps, they do have a long way to go in terms of facilitating more meaningful connections. And I did hear about a really interesting app that's coming out in the States, which kind of switches that up a little bit more. It's called Twirl and it's about people's profiles being video based. And so rather than just having a bunch of images and quotes, You actually make a little video and in that video you ask a question. It might be, you know, um, what's your ideal first date or even something a bit deeper like how do you define love? And I think that can be really great because so often with these swipe right or left models, um, there's just such an emphasis on how someone looks and we're losing so much information about their presence and their tone of voice and how they really like to express themselves and is that that can often give us insight into whether they'd be a vibe or not. Well, it's very one-dimensional just by nature. So I imagine having that video, it definitely changes things because we all know a photo is a photo, but actually seeing the way someone moves and their mannerism and hearing their voice, it really changes things. Absolutely. There's just so much more of an energy exchange through that. And I think it's one good side effect from the rise of video culture with like Instagram and um, TikTok. And it's going to be really interesting as time goes on to see how that crosses over into the dating world. Because people are getting more comfortable or most people are becoming more comfortable with being filmed. So I guess that's one thing. Now, what are some of the things that people are struggling with in the online space? Yeah, I think the biggest one that comes to mind, and it is just one of the complexities of 
connecting with people online is how do we reduce our beautiful, complex, three-dimensional self down into an accurate two-dimensional representation? And so often we can get really stuck with that, with putting our best foot forward um, with dating apps. Sometimes people, uh, when faced with that, decide not to say anything and just have the pictures speak for themselves. But I really do think that that is a lost opportunity because if we want to make a real connection with someone, we've got to give them something to relate to. So, yeah, sorry, did you want to say something? No, I was just agreeing with you completely. I know myself, I would be far more likely to be interested in swiping. I don't even know, is it left or right? I can't remember which way you swipe. (laughs) But I know I would be far more interested in getting to know someone who's given a little bit of information versus someone who's just like, here's a photo of me with a fish. Yeah, totally, (laughs) totally. And that's another thing, similarly in the bios, one of the most common bios that we often see are like shopping list descriptions. And particularly with men, we'll often see them like list their favorite activities, which is sweet that they're giving it a go. But um, it can often end up being quite vague. You know, it's not really telling us that much about them. And so something that I really suggest people focus on when they're building their online dating profile is to give a little bit more detail. You know, don't be vague and don't be equally don't be afraid to um, let your freak flag fly, so to speak. I love that. Now, you spoke about having a list there, you know, people just jotting down a list of their interests and just sticking with the list theme. I have a lot of friends in my life that have very, very clear wish lists of their perfect partner. Is that helpful to refine what you want or could it be that that's potentially shooting yourself in the foot because you might miss someone great because they're not your um, on paper perfect person? This is such a great question. And while I do think it's really important that we do take the time to think about what kind of relationship do I want to experience next and what kind of partner do I want to attract, you're right, we don't want to get too specific and end up blocking out what could be perfectly good matches. So what I really encourage on is if you're going to write some sort of list is to focus on your values and looking for those values. And this is the difference between writing lists that's more superficial, like must have a six pack and writing something more values based, which is around must value their health, right? And we know from John Gottman, a researcher into relationships. I love him. He's amazing, right? Brilliant. One of his most important findings around his ability to see, to meet a couple and know pretty quickly whether or not they're going to connect or not or for the long term is do they have aligned vision and values? And so getting clear on what our vision and values are for our own reasons while we're single is such a powerful exercise before we start to get swept up in someone else's vision and values. I love that. That's so important. Working on your own vision and values first and foremost. I love that. That's a brilliant takeaway. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Something that I did want to ask about the online world, and this was a question that came from someone who follows along, um, who wanted to know a little bit more about dating terminology, because he was saying 
for the first time he heard the term breadcrumbing. So <laughs> we've got breadcrumbing, we've got ghosting. I don't know any other terms off the top of my head, but can you share some light on what these terms mean for those who have no idea? Absolutely. Yeah, it's hard to keep up with some of these terms these days. Um, <laughs> so starting with ghosting, ghosting is about when someone breaks off a relationship by stopping all communication and contact. So they just, they disappear and you're kind of left with this ghost energy, right? The memory of them. And often this is without warning or justification. And that means too, we might reach out to them and try and get some kind of clue or clarification and they just ignore everything so it's a pretty brutal way for a relationship to end or even if you know you're just mm. starting to get to know someone it can still be quite painful I bet that's such an avoidant like it's really sad to think that someone would have to resort to that behavior of just disappearing not being able to own their own opinion and say hey you know I don't really want to pursue this mm. thanks yeah. but no thanks type of thing yeah, and I think it really speaks to um, people's discomfort with conflict, you know, and conflict mm -hmm. can be a really important part of rich and healthy relationships, you know, being willing to speak up and share where you're at honestly. And that is one of the problems with online dating is that it makes it a little bit too easy to shy away from conflict and to really be honest about that. But I guess too if someone does ghost you, if you've been ghosted, um, as much as that would hurt, I'm sure, it can also be a bit of a silver lining of going, okay, wow, this is definitely not someone that I would want to pursue a relationship with if this is how they handle their emotions. Totally. Be glad that you found that out early on, hey? It's a bit of a gift. Mm, yeah. And then, of course, we have breadcrumbing. So breadcrumbing is when someone that we like, they might engage us via text or online just enough to keep us interested but they never really make the moves to take things further. And sometimes this can be for a variety of different reasons, but there's often a bit of ego in there, a bit of enjoying the validation and wanting to know that you're still there and still interested in them, even though they're not really investing in the relationship. And so I imagine that terminology breadcrumbing comes from sort of like the Hansel and Gretel version of just leaving like a little trail of breadcrumbs for you to follow, you know, so whether it's, replying to your Instagram story with a flame or, you know, leaving things really open-ended. It's that kind of thing, right? Exactly, yeah. Right. And so that really is sending mixed signals, which leads me into my next question. What advice would you give to women or men who are feeling confused and they're left wondering if someone that they've been on a date with or a couple of dates with is actually interested in them like if they're wondering does this person like me where to from there mm. well this is where we really have to pay attention to what people are saying and their actions and if they're being congruent or not when they're saying one thing like for example if you've got a guy who's saying he wants to build a life with you but his actions are saying Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Otherwise, he's unreliable and not showing up when he says he is. Then we've really got to take those actions as the truth of where this person's at and think once again about our values. Like if you value someone who's reliable um, and who's available to you, um, then we really need to take that into consideration. However, on the other hand, you might have a guy who's saying very clearly that he doesn't see the relationship going anywhere long term, but then he's still showing up, you're going on dates, you might still be sleeping together, and you might have a really good time together. But we have to be careful um, not to fool ourselves into thinking, oh, maybe he's changed his mind, maybe this will go somewhere, and instead take his words at face value. Mm, which makes it so tricky. Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, I think, look at what is the most difficult thing for a person to express. In the first example, it's more difficult to show that you mean it through your actions, to show up consistently. Um, and in the, second, um, in the second example, it's it's just the opposite, right? It's harder for him to say that he's not interested in you or for the long term. But the fact that he's going out of his way to say that you know, people don't say that sort of thing lightly. So we really do have to listen to them and make our own decision. How far do we want to continue with this? Mm, so ultimately, when you're getting to know someone, you really want to pay close attention to are their words aligning with their actions and how they're showing up? Because that's when the mixed signals become so confusing and you're left scratching your head going, hey, what does this mean? And I think that's when a lot of women in particular get themselves in a bit of a state because they're like, he's saying he doesn't want a relationship, but yet he's treating me like I'm his girlfriend and it becomes confusing. So just going, okay, do the words match up with the actions? Mm. But another point too is that it's really important not to fall into the trap of falling in love with potential. And that's sometimes what can happen in these situations is that we think if only he changes behavior or he has all of this potential, it could work, you know. We focus on the possibility. But the problem with that is that when we're accepting the behavior in the meantime, there's very little motivation for them to change if they really want it. Mm, the I think that's that's such another great takeaway is to not fall in love with the potential. I think so many people talk themselves into a relationship because they can see that sort of carrot dangling off in the distance of going, we'll get there, we'll get there. But perhaps you won't. Mm, definitely. We need to look at all the different signs that we're getting on all the different levels. Mm. So, Jiminy, I've got some questions that came through from our community on Instagram. Is it okay with you if I just kind of fire these off and we see how we go with them? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So a question that came through multiple times was, how soon should you have the are we exclusive chat? Yes, this is such a tricky one because you don't want to do it too soon and you don't want to do it too late. So in our book, we talk about the eight date rule which is just a guideline, but we find that using the first eight dates to really evaluate how far you want to go with a person 
is so important and to also be marrying that to is this person compatible with the life that I want to create because the truth is we can fall in love with all different sorts of people and sometimes they're not going to be compatible with that vision. So waiting until about the eighth date at least gives you a lot more information. Maybe by then you've met some of their friends or their family, you've seen them in different situations and you've really gotten to know them a bit better than, you know, if you're on like the third or fourth date, right? Mm -hmm. And do you think it is important to have the chat or do you think that sometimes you can safely assume that you're exclusive or is that when people get into trouble? There's a saying that if you assume you make an ass out of you and <laughs> I think it's good to keep that I've in mind because <laughs> you don't want to get hurt. You do. It is about making sure that you're on the right page or on the same page. Um, and I think just one tip around doing that is when you are checking in for the first time or bringing it up for the first time, you can start by just asking, are they seeing anyone else? And maybe talking about what you're interested in going for, but not putting the pressure on them there and then to make a decision. Let them come back to you. Okay, great. Another question that came through a lot is how should single mums, I guess how could single mums navigate dating? Mm. Such a big question. That's such a big broad it question. Is, it is. There's huge. so many different <laughs> ways there. I mean, like how should single mums navigate dating? That opens up so many different kind of lines of thought from you know how soon should you introduce kids to just the logistics um I don't know where does your mind go on that one well that's probably the first place where my mind went to is how soon should you introduce your partner to your kids and again I'd come back to that eight date rule and say waiting at least until the eighth date because of course you don't want a situation where you introduce them to your kids and then it doesn't work out and we never know when it's still early days so even when we do introduce our kids for the first time I recommend introducing them just as a friend and not being too touchy-feely even though you might be totally smitten and of course kids can be very perceptive about these things but even so even so we just don't want to overwhelm them with too much too soon even eight dates sounds really soon to me but I probably sit far towards other end of the spectrum on that and I'm sure people can can work out for themselves when is the right time but yeah I think introducing them as a friend first is really great advice totally I actually feel like if it was me I'd probably wait three months um but I know that a lot of people react to that and feel like that is too long so I think minimum eight dates but of course do it when you feel that it's right and where you feel safe yeah and also too it depends on so many things such as their age and where their comprehension level sits as well and also that mum's dynamic because it's easy for me to go oh my gosh eight dates is far too soon but I'm in a situation Shivani where my kids are with their dad you know not quite 50 50 but nearly 50 50 so I get that breathing space Mm. whereas there are mums that have their kids 100% of the time Mm. so they might not have the option or the luxury to wait three six nine twelve months or whatever it is but Mm. I think that little nugget of introducing them as a friend first really valuable one thing I just add to that too is one of the upsides of introducing them um, to your partner as a friend sooner rather than later 
is that you get to see how this potential partner is going to interact with kids and how they're going to relate to your children, which is really important information when you're still going through the evaluation process of, is this person right for me? Mm, definitely. Now, the next question is, if you keep choosing the same type, how can you break that habit? Yeah, this is another big question. Um, in our book, we actually talk about the psychology of attraction, um, which goes into why we tend to be attracted to a certain type. And to try and put this as succinctly as I can, um, so often when I think this is one of the big fallacies of our society is that we're kind of led to believe that we should be looking for those intense feelings of intoxication and infatuation right from the beginning. And so often when we fall into that pattern of, uh, you know, I call these the nines and the tens. If we had a scale of one to ten of how attracted you feel to someone, these would be the nines and the tens, right? And that's actually the danger zone because when we feel that sense of love at first sight, so often it leads us to project so much onto this person. We don't really know them that well. And Which is the falling in love with the potential thing, right? Yeah, totally. But there's also a deeper layer to this in the sense that so often our unconscious recognizes these people as being able to wound us in many of the same ways that we were wounded as children. So in that, our unconscious mind is actually thinking to itself, oh, but this time it could be different. And if, if it was different, then I could heal that old wound and I could become more whole and complete, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a bit of a convoluted strategy and can often lead us to get into trouble. And the reason why these people feel so familiar to us when we first meet them is often because they reflect a lot of the characteristics that our parents had growing up, for better or for worse. They can have the best um, characteristics of our parents, but also the worst ones, the ones that um, left us feeling wounded because we all had imperfect parents in one way or another. And so... It's that familiarity that often leads us to feel this inverted commas love at first sight. Mm, I'm sitting here nodding because a couple of months ago I read that book. I'm trying to think of his name. Is it Harvey Herbal or Harvey oh, Hendricks? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. So this is exactly who I'm referring to. He's oh, brilliant! The, like the founding father of the most um, sophisticated uh, psychology of attraction theory. It's called a Margot theory. Margot theory that was it it was on the tip of my tongue and I'm looking through my library um book on my phone now because I'm like oh that's the book that I read a couple of months ago and um yeah just listening to you speak about it I was like yep that's it it's called getting the love that you want is the one yeah I really recommend that that book to anyone who's listening as well there's also a version of it for single people and you can read either version are great um called keeping the love you find brilliant suggestions I'll make sure that we pop those in the show notes as well because one of my biggest takeaways from his work is that it's like if there's that recognition and it's like oh this person feels like home it doesn't necessarily mean that's a good thing exactly yeah yes big one which is why we don't want to fall into the trap of falling fast. And I know that's so much e- more easily said than done because when we're feeling all of those feels, it's so exciting because it doesn't happen every day, right? Mm, I think there's so much to be said, though, for the slow, steady 
healthy burn? Yes, totally. And so going back to this question of um, if you keep choosing the same type, I really encourage people start to explore dating people who aren't your type. And even if you're not feeling attracted to them in the beginning, like if we go back to that scale, I'm not saying that you want to go on dates with ones and twos, but maybe a five or a six or a seven, basically a good foundation for friendship. So letting go of the need for having to feel that intense chemistry on date one and instead just focus on connecting human to human and being curious about the person in front of you. I'm sat here nodding. I'm like, like, yep, yep, completely could not agree more with that. Such valuable information. Now, question number four from the followers. Um, What are some of your tips for meeting someone when you do not want to go online? And this is something that I hear a lot, Jivani, people saying to me, you know, I wasn't expecting to be single at this point in my life and I refuse to go online. I don't want to date online, but they're having trouble meeting people. So what would your advice be for that? Yeah. It's kind of a twofold question, isn't it? Your tips for meeting people <laughs> in real life, but also I guess what would you say to people that are dead against going online? Yeah, I think it's good to be open to all sorts of different things. So I wouldn't rule out online dating altogether. But at the same time, if you want to focus on offline dating, I think it comes down to committing to going out to a social event that it doesn't necessarily mean going out to a bar or something, but it could be joining a club or going to a workshop or, you know, joining a team sport or a permaculture course or something a little bit Um, different where you think your ideal kind of partner might be hanging out and committing to going out at least once a week and once you're out this is the big um, step that a lot of people forget is they'll go out but they won't make the effort to speak to new people and so committing to once you're out maybe talking to at least three people starting conversations with at least three people before you leave that event brilliant advice I think that's absolutely great. Now, the next question is about game playing. Um, Do you think that there is some merit to playing games when you are dating, such as waiting the same amount of time to text someone back or not wanting to come across too keen? Yeah, so this is a great question. Um, There's a lot of confusion around this, and I want to answer it by taking a bit of a step back in looking at this piece of advice that we've probably all heard before, which is treat a mean, keep and keen, right? Yeah. And that always kind of makes me giggle because it's so vague and yet <laughs> it's so well circulated. And the problem with that is it leads to a lot of mis- um, misinterpretation. And I also think that it's only really half of the picture. So when I'm teaching people about attraction, I really want to underline that there are two important ingredients, overarching ingredients to building attraction with people. And that is on the one hand, creating warmth. Warmth is how we build a connection. It's like friendliness and openness and playfulness and fun, right? And then the second ingredient is tension. And tension is the mystery. We love tension as human beings. It's why we get addicted to TV series, um, love watching a good movie, all of that is the same with dating. We love, you know, the tension of the not knowing everything about someone or, you know, this push and this pull of attraction, right? And 
at the same time, we kind of hate tension. It's a bit of a love-hate relationship because we want closure so often. And so that can often lead us to cut tension prematurely. So something that I do encourage is playing with tension. But the caveat is, or the important foundation to lay first, is building a connection through warmth. Such great advice. I've not heard anyone explain it like that before. So I think that that's really, really helpful. So rather than thinking, oh, I'm playing tit for tat, it's like, okay, focusing on that connection, building that, like you said, through warmth, but also not being afraid of, you know, I guess that's kind of like delayed gratification of not having all of your cards displayed too quickly. Totally. And I think so often going back to that sort of mindset of treating them mean and keeping them keen, we can um, really you know, shoot the, shoot ourselves in the foot by being too unavailable. And, you know, something that my partner said to me, which is kind of funny um, in reflecting on how we got together, is he was like, you didn't make it easy, but you didn't make it too hard. Yeah, that's really, really helpful to hear, I think. Um, the next question was, do you have any advice for anyone who's feeling disappointed or rejected? but they still want to meet someone. Mm. Yeah. I want to start by saying that I truly believe that any broken heart can heal. Now, often we have two different reactions. We could go one of either way, right? One is just to throw ourselves out there again and to just try and start dating again. Sometimes it's before we're ready. Um, Maybe we feel pressure from other people that we should be dating and I do think it's really important for us to take the time to process whatever's happened to us in the past and to um, get to a place within ourselves where we can feel safe in connecting and putting ourselves out there again. But by the same token, we want to make sure that we don't go the other way and totally isolate ourselves to a point where it becomes so big and scary not to get out there again. So my advice to someone who is struggling with this would be to take things slow and you know if you're going out on dates just think about connecting with the person in front of you and it not necessarily having to lead anywhere because that's so often what gets us into trouble like the pressure that we put on ourselves or on another person to be the one inverted commas um but yeah taking it slow and just really focusing on building more of a friendship connection and just enjoying the company of the opposite sex without it having to go anywhere. I love that. And that kind of leads into the next question, which is surrounding dating nerves and overthinking it. So like, I guess overthinking and all that pressure that you could be potentially putting on the person in front of you, how to cope with that. But you've kind of answered that one. Yeah. Yeah. My answer would be very similar Awesome. And I'll just add to that and say one of the things that has stuck with me from when I was in my, I want to say late teens, probably around 19, even leading into my early 20s, I had a girlfriend say to me, um, she was a couple of years older than me, and she said, when it comes to dating, go for the story. Don't go for the outcome. So don't go thinking, oh, this guy could be the one but go thinking like, what story could I get from this experience? And when you have that mindset shift of I'm going for the story, it really does one 
take the pressure off. And two, I found that that kind of mentality means that I'm so much more likely to say yes to things that I might not have been likely to say yes to, you know, like, I don't know, it just opens you up to different experiences. Yeah, I absolutely love that. That's really beautifully put. Go for the story. Um, Now, a couple more questions, if you've got time. I always like to ask my guests a few rapid fire questions so that we can get to know you a little bit better as a person. Um, So I'll shoot those off. And then I'd love to hear a little bit more about your book as well, because it sounds absolutely amazing. Awesome. Sounds good. Okay. What is your go-to coffee order? I'm more of a matcha latte girl. So that would be my pick. (laughs) Yeah. And are you an early riser or a night owl? Oh, man, I used to be a night owl for sure. And then I got a puppy five months ago and she has turned our life around for the better. <laughs> I'd say more of an early rider's are. Oh, cute. You're a dog mum. Yeah, dog um, person too. <laughs> what is your all-time favourite song? Ooh, that is a tricky one because I it's love a big it. one. Yeah. Um, First one that pops into your yeah, mind. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this band called Rainbow Kid and Surprise. They're this um, American band, and there's so many of my favorite songs. But uh, I think When It Lands is a pretty fun one. Never heard of them, but I'll have to look them up. Yeah. Um, what would you say is your worst habit? My worst habit. Hmm. Well, I think I've gotten a bit lazy with the dishes lately and I'm really lucky that my partner's like taken over cleaning the kitchen, <laughs> but I think it's a bit of a lazy habit um, stacking them up on the side there for a couple of days. <laughs> and what would you say is your best habit? My best habit. I'm a really big fan of what I call blue sky dreaming. I think it's really important for us to take time out of our life to get offline and to go lie down in nature and look at the sky. So I really try to take time for that because it's often where I get my best ideas and whatever's been going on during the day, it just gets processed and it tends to click. Yes, I could not agree more. For me, that's when things like ideas and creativity drops in. It's when I unplug and I get out in nature. Yeah, it's so powerful, so good for us. What is your favourite way to practise self-care? Hmm... My favorite way at the moment, I've just discovered this new um, thing, I guess, in my life where it started because I went for a big walk around the national park and I forgot my walking shoes. And so I decided to instead walk around the coastline um, barefoot and, you know, where all the rock pools are and do a bit of rock climbing up and down. And that to me has been such a beautiful practice I've started to do more regularly because it really gets me to focus on, you know, the physical environment and to do a bit of problem solving. How am I going to get from here to there? And really connects me to myself. And I think that's really great for my mental health in a way that I like to practice self-care by making time for that. Absolutely. And that sounds like such a childlike thing to do but it's so important that we have those pauses where we can allow ourselves to go and be in that childlike state because that's the sort of thing that we would have done when we were little 
Yeah, and I really felt connected to my inner child when I do that. So I think it is a really powerful thing because our inner child is so important. It's They're really alive in us, our inner children. Absolutely. I've been doing some breath work um, with a facilitator and focusing on that inner child acknowledgement and care, and it is life-changing. Mm, yeah, so important. Yeah. Speaking of life-changing, what is your all-time favourite quote or some words that you live by? Hmm. Well, I do love to collect little quotes. Um, Putting me on the spot here a little bit, but one (laughs) that I've been thinking about a lot lately is this quote, hard choices, easy life, easy choices, hard life. Love that. That's a brilliant one. Thank you so much for sharing. Now, before I let you get back to your day, can you tell us a little bit about the book that you've been working on? Yeah, so this is a book that I've been writing with my dad and it's called How to Make the Biggest Decision of Your Life. And here we're talking about choosing a life partner and recognising the choice in that. Um, One of the statistics that we came across in writing this book was founded by a mathematician who came to the conclusion that if we met everyone in the world, which is impossible, but if we did, we could potentially fall in love with 350,000 different people. But not all of those people are going to be compatible with the life that we want to create for ourselves. And so this book is about recognising that sometimes love isn't enough And that of the people who we can feel love for and fall in love with, how do we choose a partner who's going to be able to be the best complement to the next chapters of our life? Amazing. So this book is going to be published by Hachette and coming out in February next year. Which will be here in two minutes. This year has absolutely flown. So when that book is available, please do let me know so that I can share that as well with our audience. Thank you. I will do. And I also and- wanted to share with your with your audience in the meantime, if they're interested in getting some more tips for online dating and how to put their best foot forward with their dating profile, I have a little free guide that they can download from my website. Awesome. And what is your website? My website is jiveny.com. So J-I-V-E-N-Y.com. Brilliant. I'll make sure we have all of that info in the show notes. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. And I'm really, really grateful for the wisdom that you've shared with us. Thank you. It's been wonderful to connect with you. And I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.